Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Marnie Swedberg, and I welcome you to Marnie and Friends, a place where leaders share practical, helpful, and encouraging ways to get anything important done faster, better, and smarter. Right now, I encourage you to sit back, buckle up, and join us for fun, laughter, practical help, and clear thinking, the kind of discussion that focuses our attention off of the fluff and onto the most important stuff in life. Again, welcome to Marnie's Friends. Let's get going. Well, welcome to another edition of Marnie's Friends. This is Marnie Swedberg, and I'm so excited to have you with us this afternoon and with our wonderful guest, Sally Ferguson. We're going to be talking today about how to plan women's retreats. And during this hour, you're going to learn the reasons why to bother with planning retreats. You know, there's a lot of ways that you can get together with gals without the big deal of a retreat. So why plan one? We're going to start there. Then Sally's going to take us through how to set some reasonable goals and expectations for your retreat, the seven steps planners take to ensure great retreats, Retreats, the benefits attendees can experience when they do pre-work in advance of the retreat, and some personal words of wisdom for retreat planners from Sally, who is the author, by the way, of a retreat book. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. Our guest today, Sally Ferguson, is a freelance writer with over 100 published devotionals and a speaker who enjoys connecting with women and seeing them find affirmation for their current phase in life and in ministry. She's passionate about helping women find encouragement from God's Word, as well as supplying the tools to help them apply what they've learned there. Sally and her pastor husband, Roy, have a son, a daughter, and a granddaughter. They live in the rolling hills of western New York, so I'm going to welcome right now our guest today. Welcome, Sally. Thank you, Marty. It's great to be with you. Well, and I'm excited to have you here. We've been... uh, We've known each other online now for a while, and you've been so active in our expos and different things, and of course, you're a speaker, and just love your ministry, love your heart, Sally, and I'm really excited to have you be the one to talk to us about retreat planning today, so thanks for being here. Well, it's a passion of mine because I've found that um, when women get together outside of their normal routine, everything changes. It's true, and that's where we want to start with why bother with the retreat. And I can just, uh, you know, I could just vouch for the reality that different things happen at retreats than can possibly happen at a regular women's ministry event. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. when when we uh, take time to get babysitters and pet sitters and um, put uh, frozen dinners in the refrigerator for our family, somehow we get away and our focus changes and everything becomes a new event because we're committed to that time away. Yeah. One of the things I remember years ago, uh, we had gone to, my husband and I had gone to a parenting conference and it was, I think it was five weeknights and then a Saturday all day. And as the week went by, I was just learning so much. And by the end of the week, I was really kind of frustrated. And I went up to the to the leader of the seminar, and I said, I want to ask you something. I said, I have been a Christian since I was probably four years old, and I've been in church my whole life, but I feel like I learned more in this one week than I've learned in years of attending church. Why? How come it's so different? And his answer really made a difference to me, and it's going to make a difference to you guys who are listening who are thinking about taking women on a retreat. He said, Every Sunday morning, your pastor starts out, and he has maybe 30 or 40 minutes. He has to do an introduction and get you with him. That takes 10 or 15 minutes. Then he has to do an extra to kind of take you out of the topic, and that takes 10 or 15 minutes. So really, in reality, he has about 10 to 20 minutes to give you the meat of what he's trying to teach you. He said here, because we were together day after day and session after session, he said, I was able to do the intro the first night in about 30 minutes, he said, and after that, I've been able to give you meat for about 15 hours this week. That's why you feel that way. It would have taken months for you to get anywhere near this level of teaching at 10 to 20 minutes of meat per, per Sunday. And Sally, when I think about retreats, that's what I love about them. And when I speak at retreats, and I know you too, you get, you know, usually Friday night, then Saturday morning, then Saturday afternoon, sometimes Saturday night and Sunday morning. And you can really get deep in the women's hearts in that amount of time. So true. You have the opportunity to flesh out a theme together, and that theme can really uh, take on new uh, borders as you do it as a group. Yeah. 
Another another thing that I think about retreats that's so different from a women's event is if you do meet a friend at a retreat, you actually have time to get to know her before you have to go home. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of opportunity for giggles and cannonballs in the pool. <laughs> yeah, you bet. So what are some other reasons to go on a retreat? Well, one of the... Um, one of the biggest ones to me is that God calls us away for time alone with him. In Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29, he says, come to me. And when we're in our daily routine at home, a lot of times that come to me gets buried underneath the pile of mail or the pile of laundry sitting waiting on us. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's yep. nice because when, uh, when other people also make that commitment to, to be all there, they have uh, put their daily schedules aside, and they've made the commitment to go to the retreat. They've traveled together. They've put their money on the line for what we're going to do for the weekend. They've also made that commitment to be with you. And that undivided attention just makes you feel warmed and loved all over as a friend. Mm, yeah. I like I like the emphasis on the investment, too. It's true that... You know, if you want uh, one of my favorite sermons by the pastor that married Dave and I 30 years ago now, but he, he, his sermon title was, If You Want to Love Something More, Invest More. And that's just the truth of it. When we invest more, we are more attached to the thing that we're doing. And um, when we bother to do all the work and all the money and everything to get away for a weekend, it's, it's a big investment, especially for moms with kids. Mm-hmm. Um, just, finding this, just finding child care is a big deal. <laughs> Well, those first few years, I I went all out, and I made sure I had everything cooked and ready and a me- menu made for my family. And, and when I came home, and I found out they went to McDonald's instead. <laughs> That's exactly what happened here, except they didn't go to McDonald's. But, I mean, my husband would just go, you know, he, he just thought, oh, this is fun. And he'd, he'd go to the store and buy stuff and make it, you know, and all the meals I had planned in advance, they never ate. And I, I know that isn't true for everybody. A lot of gals, the meals they make in advance are all gone and plus more when they get back. But, yeah, that's what happened at our house, too. I realized I didn't have to do all that. They were quite capable of yeah. taking care of themselves without me here. So, yeah, that's good. Well, what are some reasonable goals and expectations that a planner could set for their retreat? Or even beyond that, how do you, how do you pick? How do you pick what you want to get out of it? Well, when you commit to a trip with others, you're commit, you're communicating to them as well as yourself that it's important to spend time together. And those friendships then are built on the memories that you make, and memories are created when you make time for each other. So I, I think a very reasonable goal is that you're going to make some friendships that um, you haven't had time for when you've been at home. Now, are these goals that the event planner would set or that the individual um, attendee would have? You know, as, as an event planner, I, I take it personal <laughs> because I, I want to see women come that are going to connect. You know, some, some women uh-huh. have a hard time reaching outside of their um, comfort zone and um, connecting with other women. And so we make an effort to put them together in groups that are going to create a safety net for them where nobody's going to fall through the cracks and nobody's going to sit by themselves. Um, We take it very personal that they're going to connect with other women. And it happens through icebreakers. It happens through uh, free time, whether it's on a hiking trail or swimming in the pool or playing putt-putt golf or just playing apples to apples in one of the rooms. You know, all different opportunities when you get away together. Yeah, great, great. So friendships built on uh, shared memories from the retreat. What's another another goal that you usually set for your retreats or that's reasonable to set? Um, For me personally, I want to have a way to uh, bring a leadership group together, and we do that as we uh, are in the months ahead of time preparing. And so when this leadership group gets together, it's made up of the speakers, and then as we get into that month before the retreat, it's made up also of the small group leaders. But this becomes a support system to them. It becomes um, a place where it's a safe haven for them to flesh through what they're going to do with their talks. And that's pretty important also because if the leadership is a team, then it's going to carry through the rest of the retreat. 
Now, when you plan these, how, how many sessions do you get together with the other leaders in preparation for a, a, a typical, like, two- or three-day retreat? Ahead of time, I would get together with the leaders maybe once a month for three months, um, but I also get together with my main planner, my main um, arm-linked gal uh, that plans with me, and uh, Rhonda and I get together probably once a month outside of those meetings because we do a lot of brainstorming. You know, we're in our 10th anniversary this year, so a lot of a lot of those things have been tried and true as the years have gone, but um, we tweak things every year, and, and it also gives us an opportunity to reconnect and say, what's working for you this year and what's not working for you, you know, as our responsibilities with work and home change every year. We need to have that freedom to say, I need a little bit of extra space here and there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the things we have a training for gals in the um, archives over at marnies.com, you can find training for how to host a meeting. And at these meetings, when you pull your leadership group together, you really want to have a good agenda. Um, so gals know that you're valuing their time. You're not just going to get them together and ramble for three hours with nothing clearly done by the end of it. Um, you'll have some gals that that would be their preference. You'll have other gals who, if they don't know what's happening, you know, minute by minute, they're going to feel lost and confused because they're organizers. And so you want to just have an agenda and allow time for sharing, but also let the gals know that you value their time. Typically, how long do your monthly meetings go? And then do you have like a kind of a, a bigger meeting at some point, pull them away for a little longer period of time or not really? No, our monthly meetings are generally an hour and a half to two hours, and it's it's to provide that um, feedback on what's going on with you and how can we help you in the process. But it's also to take time to pray for each other. And then as we're working through that agenda, like you talked about, um, we also do talk about how is it working for you and putting your talk together and what can we do to help you feel more comfortable with your presentation. Awesome. Now, what we're going to do, gals, is we're going to come back in the second set here, and we're going to start talking through some of the seven steps planners take to ensure great retreats. And one of those is talking about the speakers and how to think about who's going to do the different types of sessions that you have. So we're going to cover that in just a minute. But before we leave from here, uh, Sally, what are a couple other, or do you have other goals and expectations for your retreat that gals should keep in mind as they're working toward theirs? Well, I think the obvious one is that we want them to have an opportunity to to come away from it feeling like they've connected with the Lord. So many times we um, are rushing through life and don't feel like we're hearing from him, but we are praying that the retreat will give them that opportunity to do so, whether it's through worship time, through um, quiet time, through laughter time. You know, it's just one of the huge goals is to, see that the Lord has met them there, but also that they will um, come away from the retreat sharing addresses with each other, because I think if they are connecting throughout the year, then they're also going to be finding that support system still intact. Mm, Yeah. Great, great. Back to the friendship and memories again. Awesome. Well, this is Marnie Swedrick. Our guest today is Sally Ferguson. She's from sallyferguson.net, and she is the author of a book called How to Plan a Women's Retreat. So excited to have her here with us today. We're going to come right back and talk about the seven steps planners take to ensure great retreats. We'll be right back. Do you ever need speakers for dinners, retreats, conferences, or other women's events? Check out www.womenspeakers.com. It's the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, featuring over 1,500 Christian women speakers, some near you, and some from every level of experience and fee range you can imagine. So you're sure to find lots of great speaker options for you and your next event over at www.womenspeakers.com. That's Women Speakers. Com. 
Well, welcome back. This is Marnie Swedberg. Our guest today is Sally Ferguson. She's the author of How to Plan a Women's Retreat, and she's here with us sharing her tips about doing just that. And if you are a retreat planner or maybe you feel like God's putting it in your heart to plan a retreat and you've never done it before, possibly you've already done it several times, but you're just like, I wonder if there's anything I'm missing or something I could do better. Sally's the girl. For you, she has uh, written a book, How to Plan a Women's Retreat, and her website is sallyferguson.net. You can learn more over there. Sally, let's dive right into the first thing that event planners can do to ensure a great retreat, and that is prayer. And I just couldn't concur more with that being the number one thing. Talk to us about how you take your team through prayer specifically. Well, you know, we can plan and plan and plan and and have great details in our retreat, but if we don't include God in the details, it's going to fall flat on its face. And so the very most important part of beginning with our speakers is just spending that time praying with them over the thoughts that God would lay on their hearts to share with with the retreat gals. Um, But we also, um, in that prayer time together, we lift each other up, and um, it's not all just about the retreat, but about daily life and how life is um, closing in around us. So that um, that blessing on God's um, touch on our our talks, our our topics, and all of our themes, that it would just mean His blessing is right there, and that lives will be changed through the retreat. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking about um, some of the retreats that I've planned. Um, One of my favorite things to do is to find a prayer partner for each woman that's going on the retreat and have them have the attendees actually fill out a little bio. It has like just questions and answers like, you know, are you married? What's your husband's name? Do you have kids? What are their names and ages? Um, What do you do for, you know, do you work outside the home or are you full-time in the home? You know, like that. And then um, what what are some of your concerns right now? And then we, you know, and they shouldn't get too personal because they don't know who's going to be praying for them. But then we give that little bio along with a candle, a little, um, like a, I want to say a short stubby candle, not a taper, but, you know, one of those um, votive, there we go, that's the word, votive candles. I was I was at the store, Sally, right before I came to this interview, you guys, I was at the store relaying the candle department. You'd think I could remember the, the word votive, but I couldn't. Anyway, um, the little votive to each person that's going to be praying, and we ask them that while we're gone at the retreat, that they would light that candle, of course, turn blow it out before they go to bed, but that they would light that candle and put it somewhere they could see it, in their kitchen or somewhere, and just remember to be praying for their their gal um, while she's away. That's a really wonderful way, again, to um, build community, even for those that aren't going on the retreat. They can have a partner who got to go and they can feel part of it. And they're so eager to hear about how it went then afterwards, too. And then as a speaker for retreats, I often will ask for the list of attendees that as as they're getting um, the names of the attendees that are coming, I want to have that list and I want to pray for those gals by name. And even before those start coming in, the leadership team, I like to get the list of the leadership name. And if a church has a church directory, I like to get the pictures because <laughs> I'm so visual so that I can start praying for for all of the people involved in planning it and attending it, too. Prayer is just so huge. Sally, for you personally, and I'll share in a moment, but for you personally, what is the most important reason to have prayer be the number one thing? Well, prayer helps God's ability to release in my heart what he has in mind for me to do. And uh, I like that idea of the file that you mentioned because one of the ways that we ask the women to pray for each other is to give them a prayer target and ask them to pray that um, nothing would keep them from the retreat, neither work schedules nor sports schedules for the kids, that nothing would keep them from it. And to be able to have some idea of uh, that person's lifestyle, you know, that's, that's a nice nice touch to add to a retreat. Yeah, and I I think for me, when I think about praying in advance of a retreat, once again, 
uh, like I mentioned earlier, God really has the opportunity at, at a retreat to go very deep into a woman's heart and into her woundedness and really to do a healing work there. But just like Jesus went into that one town and he said, I have to leave, I can't do any miracles here because of their unbelief. If you get to your retreat and there's just all around you unbelief, there's just gals who don't believe God's really going to show up, that God's not going to do anything, your team doesn't, hasn't really been praying, um, what's going to happen is not too much on the spiritual realm. I mean, you may see some results because God is so merciful and, and he will, you know, he's always going to be working whether he can do as much as he wanted to or not. Just the presence of Jesus with all the women coming is going to make a change in their lives. But when we really lay down and pray and really say, I believe for miracles. I believe for changed lives. I believe. And when we do that together as a we, you know, a two or three, and uh, then we do it together as a team, and then we do it together with the women, it just changes everything. It changes the potential of the outcome, and it's just so wonderful, and prayer is so powerful. So absolutely agree that prayer needs to be the number one thing that you want to do, and you want to build it in. Um, even a lot of committees have a prayer coordinator. So, um, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. Um, when I've done it, We've done it in both ways. Sometimes it's like, no, everybody's responsibility is to pray. And, of course, everybody's responsibility is to pray. But sometimes you want to have a special person who's just set aside to either um, – I, I know one of our gals that has done it several times through the years. Um, her name is Pat. And she will send out actual – she'll send out actual updates. And she'll say, this week be praying for these specific things. Mm-hmm. And then this week be praying for these other specific things. You know, like that. And it really does help to have someone just focusing our thoughts and keep – reminding us keep uh, keep us on track with that do you have any other thoughts on the prayer one mm-hmm. well it also along with what your pat does is to to add it to your church prayer list and so to be praying for planning preparation and and the purposes of god at our retreat so that he can have his full opportunity to work when we are stepping back to allow him to do that absolutely absolutely and of course it does affect the whole church when the women leave <laughs> <laughs> for a weekend, everybody's affected. So uh, they they do want to pray. They do want to pray for everything about it, from the safety of the travel to the to the outcomes that God would have. So they are eager to participate with us in that way. Let's go ahead and talk about the themes. Then um, I am such a big theme girl. You know, over at Marnie.com, we've got thirty theme development sets there because I so believe that a theme helps to, I don't know, from my perspective, and then Sally, you just go ahead and share about what you had on your heart to talk about themes here, but from my perspective, having a theme helps to really plow the soil of the heart before we get there because people are already thinking about, you know, what could that be like, you know, the, the, the wishing well or, you know, whatever it is that the theme is, what, what could that be about? And they're thinking about it, incubating about it a little bit in advance, and they just become more tender to it. Uh, Sally, when you think about themes, what comes to your mind then? Well, I think about this year. We're, uh, the theme this year is Dream With Me, and we're using mm. Lucy Swindle's book um, to prepare us, and her, her, the front of her book has a hot air balloon. So we've pulled that hot air balloon to be our theme this year as um, you know, that excitement, that adventure that God has for us ahead of time. So when you have a theme that you pull out of your book, then it kind of snowballs to create a whole different event. You can focus your decorations, your speakers. You even can pull out some games and your small group names that can all focus around this theme that created excitement for what's going to happen there. Absolutely. It is. Uh, people have asked me um, why, why I would want to recommend themes because doesn't that make it more complex? And from my perspective, a theme makes it ever so much easier <laughs> because instead of the whole big world of things to pick from, I'm now very focused. I'm laser focused on everything that has anything to do with, like in your situation, hot air balloons or yeah. dreams or balloons or, you know, like that. And, and all of a sudden, you start to see all the possibilities within that smaller framework. And it is actually easier for our minds to tackle that than to say anything goes. <laughs> you know, it just is too big. Well, and it does help your mind to focus because as you're working towards the retreat deadline, all of a sudden you're noticing these hot air balloons everywhere, whereas you never would have seen them. 
It's so, so I true. Richard, air balloons athlete. in my sleep. <laughs> so true. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, some of the other themes that um, that I've done and that we've got over at the theme sets over at Marty.com, if you go under events, there's all those theme sets there. One of them is a victory celebration, and we use banners and little mm-hmm. trumpets and all that. There's one that's a... Uh, um, pearls of great worth, and of course, you just have pearls everywhere. And you don't have to have real pearls, of course. You can uh, mm-hmm. just use uh, little pearl beads or whatever. Um, one of them is called gifts galore, and of course, you're focusing on God's gifts to you and unwrapping those. But you have gift packages everywhere. One of them is RX for spiritual um, spiritual health, and you have all these little pill bottles with prescriptions, and you know all of these things. When you pick a theme and you really go and develop that theme. It, it helps not only them to prepare with excitement for something that they don't know what you're going to do. You know, they just have ideas of their own, but they don't know what you're going to do. And then also years later, they will not say, well, one of those, you know, we did a retreat, and it was, I don't know, it, but it was really good. You know, they'll be like, remember that one we did with a hot air balloon? Oh, yeah, and they talked about being filled with the spirit, you know, and all of these things that just come right to mind and they can stay with us for so much longer when it's hooked to a seam. So I love that. Did you have any other advice or counsel for the gals that are thinking about maybe using themes? Well, when you've got a theme, it also gives you an image, um, like you just said. But, um, for instance, we did um, Kay Warren's Dangerous Surrender one year, and we pulled out group names that all pulled in that thought of, What's dangerous? Well, our group names were investigators and detectives and private eyes and seekers and quest finders and truth finders and explorers. And we used the examples of a magnifying glass for a lot of our decorating. And so, you know, when you pull out these themes, that it it makes it exciting because you're you're pulling everybody into that um, notion of what kind of activity is going to happen, but it also gives you opportunity for um, your small group games, um, ways that you can do things together, like charades. You, you know, you can make up your own charades when you're doing these themes because you have your own theme happening. It all pulls it all together. Um, one of the things that I like about themes also is that um, when you're pulling your speakers together, this gives them a parameter to work from. It gives them a a set place that they know, okay, I don't have to wander all over Timbuktu, but I've got this specific theme to work with. And it it really brings it together in a harmonious event. Yeah, that's what I think, too. I, I think it simplifies the desire to have something that really, truly works, that flows and, and spins properly and, 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 and actually can get the momentum going that you want in a retreat. So I just totally agree. Okay, let's go ahead. Now we're, we're two out of seven, so let's go ahead to locations number three. Location for a, a retreat can be almost anywhere. I mean, there's so many options. So maybe just give us your advice and then I'll share a couple of things that we've done. Well, start off where um, do you want to cook? Do you want to be served? So that would determine a location. If you're going to a camp and you're going to do your own cooking, then that certainly is going to affect your budget. It's going to be a much more doable budget. But if you want to go to a place where they're going to be able to serve you, then um, you're going to look for a different type of a location. It also affects your um, you know, your different kind of costs. Um, one place will charge you for a microphone set up, whereas another place will just include it in the cost of everything that they bring to the table. So you need to ask questions as you're going to these places. And it makes a good field trip with your committee, you know. <laughs> you can go shopping and you can just stop and visit this location and see what they have available. You know, some places allow you to do a campfire, but they'll charge you for the firewood and they'll charge you for somebody to come and light the fire. So ask questions. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. 
in the training zone, there's a training that I've done with Heather Trompke, and she's, um, she's a gal that helps people find locations, and she is awesome to work with, and she doesn't, there's no fee to use her. It's actually the locations that pay the fee, and mm. she will um, she re- really help you to narrow down what it is you want exactly. And especially for those of you who are listening and you're like, I'm listening even though I'm planning a conference, not a retreat. I'm listening to get any tips. Heather's a good, good resource, and she's over in the um, event planners training at Marnie.com. You can meet her over there. Location is, is so important because it, it matters too. Um, it matters too if you need them to have like, if you need them to have a way to get solitude. Um, you're going to have to go to kind of a retreat center that has some outdoor um, mm-hmm. facilities available to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've done retreats in downtown hotels. And those are wonderful, but they're different from when you have it at a camp uh, retreat setting where gals can actually go out and find their own tree and you know, sit, down, sit down for an hour with Jesus. You know, so it kind of depends on what your goals are. And I agree with you. You, know, you have to think through, are we all bringing food and cooking or you know, are we wanting to be served this time? And you really have to know your group, but one of the things that I encourage you to do is, and we're going to talk about this in a little bit too, don't rule out a little bit more expensive of a location just because some of your girls can't afford it. Mm-hmm. Um, God is, if that's what he's laying on your heart, he really can help you get the money to do it. And so I just encourage you not to rule that out. When thinking of location, uh, Sally, do you have any other cautions or maybe suggestions for gals that maybe haven't ever planned a retreat before, something that they would want to watch out for or for sure pay attention to? Well, when my husband was a youth pastor years ago, he was part of planning committees for youth conventions, and we found out that there are seasons when hotels offer discounts because it's a different travel season. For instance, um, youth conventions are more welcomed in hotels in November after Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving is usually a holiday when people stay with relatives. So if you know these kinds of things ahead of time, you can look for special venues that will offer you a discount in an off-season for their situation. And and like you said, when you have a, a location that you're looking for, for your group, you want to consider the size of group you're planning on. Um, I'm going to be speaking to a writer's group in a few weeks that's going to be in a, in a home because they are just gearing to their special critique group, and so they're wanting to make it a writer's retreat. So you're going to be looking for the size of group you're working with as well as the type of retreat you're providing. One of our locations had a chapel, and it was so conducive to the worship that it was just wonderful. So, you know, uh-huh. these pieces all add to the element of what you want to offer and and how it will create an atmosphere for your group. Absolutely. Well, this is Marnie Swedberg. Our guest today is Sally Ferguson of sallyferguson.net. She's the author of a book called How to Plan a Women's Retreat, and we are going to come right back and talk about the final four steps planners need to take to ensure great retreats. We're going to talk about speakers, advertising, delegating, and fundraising when we come back. Successfully maximizing the gifts God has given us is the best gift that we can give back to God. Are you 100% clear about why you're here, about how God defines success for you personally? Are you on track with God's plan for your life? the best life on planet Earth followed by the best possible eternity for you? If not, check out the Success Principles Intensive Training course over at Marnie.com. It's a six-hour online program that will change how you define and do your life from today forward. It's a biblically-based approach to goal-setting and achievement. So check it out under the Training tab at Marnie.com. Well, hi, and welcome back. This is Marnie, and we're visiting today with Sally Ferguson. She's the author of a book called How to Plan a Women's Retreat, and you can learn more about her over at her website, sallyferguson.net. Sally, thank you for being here. Loving this. 
Thank you, Marty. It's great to talk about my passion, those women's retreats. <laughs> yeah, okay. And, of course, we're going to talk about Speakers Nest, and you know that's one of my passions. we got the big directory of speakers, womenspeakers.com. It's the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world. Uh, couple thousand speakers there and uh, thousands of event planners who come to find speakers here. But during this section right now, Sally, let's talk about some different options. Of course, you can bring in a speaker, and we're going to touch on that, but there's also some different things you can do. Um, instead of bringing in all your speakers, there's some different options. So Sally, maybe just share with us some of the ways that you guys do speakers at your retreats or that you've seen it done. We are, are very thrilled with the method of just asking ordinary women in our churches to share their stories. And this brings somebody to the forefront that maybe others didn't know some of the background in their story. And so when they find out this is part of the story, it's like this personal touch, this person that I know that has been faithful to the Lord through thick and thin and how God has brought them through those difficult times. And as we have gotten uh, gotten these women together, we've been able to work through some of their fears of sharing their story, but also feeling called by the Lord to share their story. And so it's it's been exciting to see them grow in there and bloom as they're sharing the back story of the things that they've been through. One of the things that I like to do is talk to them about um, uh, speaking guideline that I got at class seminars, um, Marita Littauer talked about um, when you are thinking about your audience being out at sea, you want to bring them to the dock. And, and as you're coming into the pier, you're going to bring your point, your instruction, your example, and your resources. And so these all four points help to bring together your talk to make it a, a cohesive message that that the ladies can share with each other. It's been really helpful. It's been fun to see them connect with each other as they share their stories. So in light of um, having different gals share their story, maybe explain to us how that would actually play out in a weekend retreat. How would that look? Oh, I will have um, a separate session for each one of them, and we'd have maybe a session on a Friday and then some free time in the evening. Then we would have a a small group session after each of the speakers. Uh, Another one would speak Saturday morning and another one speak Saturday afternoon. Then that small group, the same small group, meets each time after every session. So you've got a chance to get to know the same women throughout the retreat. And in the small group, what do they do? The speakers all provide um, discussion questions. So in the small group time, either the speaker has provided the questions or we pull them out of the book that we've used for our theme. And those discussion questions are a guide for a small group time in in a way to allow us to kind of dig into the subject deeper. Let's go ahead because um, this is possibly... A, a direction that a lot of retreat planners have not taken their groups, which is um, our fourth point. So I'd like to jump down to the fourth point right now, um, kind of out of this seven steps thing, and talk about you can t- you keep mentioning different books like Dream With Me or Kay Warren's book, uh, Dangerous Trender. Um, and how is it that you have your women prepare? And maybe... Maybe step back just a moment, too, and how many women do you typically take on these retreats? And then how do you work these books into the preparation and into the retreat itself? Okay. Um, Our largest group has been 77 women, and our smallest group has been 44. So anywhere in between, um, have our, our registrations have worked out each year. But we use that um, months in a month and a half before the retreat, after we get their registration in, we, they've paid their registration deposit, so we know they're committed to go on. Then we get a book to them and give them an assignment, break it down into the weeks ahead so they don't say, oh, no, I have to read a whole book before I go on this trip, but give them an assignment as to 
okay, you can read this many chapters per week so that you're going to be ready mentally. But it gives them the opportunity to digest the message ahead of time. And then when they arrive at the treat, they're already primed to contribute to small group discussion because they've had time to think it over and chew on this meat of what we're going to be digging into. It gives us a good way to get everybody on the same page. It's so interesting, and, and we've not really ever done that. Uh, we've done we've done book studies after retreats that we've introduced at the retreat, like uh, maybe in the Saturday afternoon sessions, have different um, book preview or book study Bible study previews uh, for gals to go to, which is mm-hmm. another idea for you gals listening. But um, this is this is kind of interesting. Now, so you they get the book, but they really don't get involved in a small group with it or anything. They just start reading it on their own in preparation for the retreat. Right. And that way they're all prepared. The, sure. Of course, everybody's on the honor system, so if they don't have time to get it done, they're not going to get as much out of it. It's back to that investment you talked about earlier, that when somebody invests time into something, then they're going to get more out of it because they've already given their mind time to work through it. We've done it both ways. We've had a book after the retreat. And it just seemed like the conversations were able to go to a different level on the retreat where they had prepared ahead of time. Very interesting. It's a great, it's a great idea. Um, one of the things that I can see, too, is that you could actually definitely still come and not have even picked up the book. You would mm-hmm. get so much more out of it just because some of the people who had done the investment, of course, they, they've been getting the value all the weeks coming up to the retreat, too, in their own lives. Um, their depth of understanding of the material would be so different uh, that everybody would be ahead even for someone who came and hadn't even seen the book until they got there. Interesting. Sure. What a great idea. Great idea. So going yeah. back to going back to speakers, and let's pop back up to that one. So... Do they? Do you like divide the book then into three segments for your three speakers to kind of um, cover to, uh, a section of it, or do you just not really have the speakers worry about what's in the book? How, how do you how do you train your speakers then at that point since they're uh, lay lay women? Um, mm-hmm. How do you go about we that? We give them each a section, and as as we meet the second time we meet. Um, by then the speakers have gone through the book and they've they've digested a little bit of it. But by then the Holy Spirit has given them kind of a nudge towards one part of the book to to be a part of their story. And it's always it always works out. That's how God does it. But it always works mm-hmm. out that they pick different parts of the book that just really speak to them. And when they come back together then as speakers to work through the book together, then they are leaning towards that area that they want to talk about and it works together with their story so that when they come back to share with the whole group at the retreat, then they prepare they have prepared the part of the book that they're going to talk on and then that's the part of the book that the discussion questions are going to come out of for the women in the small group. And do you typically use the discussion questions that are in the book you're studying, or do you guys come up with your own based on what the speaker's talking about? Typically, we'll take them out of the book, but we'll, as as the small group leaders are preparing, we'll circle the ones we feel are definitely the ones that we have to hit on, and then the rest of them are just there if we need the need the extra extra thought prompters throughout the the small group time. Awesome. Well, that's really a that's really a beautiful idea. I've definitely heard of um, groups, you know, having uh, different ones share testimonies before. I haven't heard of doing a whole retreat with it, which is creative, and then having the book in advance is also really a fun angle and just very very creative. And I just I love God how creative He is all the time, putting different <laughs> mind, things in people's minds, and I just think that's beautiful. Uh, for those of you who are listening and and who. Um, still, maybe your group is bigger, or maybe you don't have um, a desire to do this in your heart. Bringing in a speaker is also such a wonderful option. Sally, has your group ever done that, brought in speakers over the years? We have done that for different events. We haven't done it for our, our own retreats, because mm-hmm. when we were going to larger events, 
the ladies were saying, we, we need something that's more personally geared for us. So when we started doing this, we began with our local ladies. That doesn't say that we haven't had other large events with speakers that are quote-unquote professional speakers. We have pulled those in, it, but it's a different venue. It's a different way to, to tackle the issues. Yeah. Yep, it's very interesting. And, you know, that was what your ladies were asking for was something more personal to them that they could get to know each other better. And it's just such a beautiful way to do that. Um, for those of you who do want to bring a speaker, and, of course, that is just also such a wonderful way to um, to really take a topic deep. You know, and, and I love how deep you can get this with lay speakers, Sally. I mean, it's just I, my mind is just all over this going, that is just beautiful because you can actually, with the help of an author who, who ends up to be really your uh, professional speaker, really is the person right. who wrote the book, right. you know, and then that person kind of leads um, the lay speakers into the ability to, um, to really coordinate something that can take the heart very deep in a short period of time with a little bit of pre-work on the part of the attendees. It's just a beautiful, beautiful um, uh, format, and I just love it. Okay, anything else to say there before, before we move on to advertising? About the speakers, um, I just yeah. really am impressed with how God pulls it off because he mm-hmm. yep. has nudged them ahead of time, and um, I'll find at times when I – approach them and say, you know, would you be interested in sharing your story? They're already primed because the Lord has nudged them and Mm. said, it's time. That's back to the prayer thing and just letting the Spirit lead you to who Mm -hmm. he got ready. Yeah, so beautiful. Okay, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, some strategies for advertising your retreat? Well, you know, Marnie, our statistics state that it takes at least seven touches to connect a customer So we can take that um, sales approach to um, give us repeated reminders to build the anticipation for a retreat. Um, For instance, last fall we began with a retreat reunion and we handed out save-the-date magnets with our um, hot air balloon theme on it for this year. And Uh also for brochures, then we print them out from a publisher template on the computer. Now, all of your advertising is going to work together hand in glove because each of those opportunities needs a reminder that something important is coming up, something exciting is coming up. Have you saved the date on your calendar? Have you made arrangements with your boss to take the day off of work? And all of those regular bulletin blurbs, Facebook discussions, and, and just word of mouth all works together to get, get those women excited about what's coming up. Yeah, absolutely. I so agree. And I love that you pull in the theme. And, of course, on the theme sets at Marnie.com, too, we just pull in all the – all of the you – pick, you pick – typically you're going to pick one logo, uh, one picture that's going to be the thing. That's on everything. And then gals are able to – every time they see that, oh, they're reminded again about it. And whether it's a hot air balloon or, you know, whatever, whatever your theme is, Mm-hmm. Um, that should just be on all of your marketing as kind of the focal point. And then uh, choosing choosing a, a title for it that is um, eye-catching and, you know, uh, that draws one's attention to it is important. You shouldn't just – you can just say women's retreat, but if you can pull in the theme in some way, like your dream with me um, – that that really does help too. It helps women to um, catch the passion for it. And, and you know, girls, we're, we're pretty romantic, and and uh, we like we like somebody to bother. We like somebody to bother with the details like that, and to actually make us feel a little spoiled and special. And so, when you do it as a planner, people notice. The, the gals will notice. Absolutely. And you want to think about the five W's and an H because if. If you're planning on making a trip somewhere, you want to know who's going to be there and what's going to happen and how will it happen and how will I get there and what will it cost. And you know, So you want to think through all of those questions that you would ask if you were the one going. And so you will prepare it, get it ready for them. When they ask it, there's the answer right there in the brochure. Maybe it's on the Facebook page. 
wherever you can put it so that it's all right at their fingertips and it's going to make it more user friendly to them it's going to make it more enticing to them because they're going to see that somebody thought through the details and it is really that it's really a confidence factor as well if something's put together poorly or presented poorly they're like well but i got to come up with you know however much it is 140 dollars or whatever and all this hassle for me and i don't even know if it's going to be good <laughs> so they really want to know that if they go to all that work that when they get there somebody's going to have really prepared something for them instead of just kind of let's see what happens when we all get together for a weekend so it just it really does prove to them that you've thought in advance about their needs their comfort about them and the advertising says a lot about it and it's not all about that but it is a lot about it other things that you can do is um, definitely have if you can have a skit at some point uh, during a church service on a Sunday morning right before pre-registration ends or whatever um, to really generate some some buzz and if it can be a little bit humorous that really helps, even though it doesn't have to all be humorous. Uh, a little humor, just a little chuckle, really goes a long way at cementing desire in a woman's heart. And it's because life is very heavy for most women. It's, it's a lot to do every day. And uh, there's a lot of stress in her life. And if you can let her know that this isn't just going to be more deep, more heavy, more, uh, you know, more things she should do, but this is going to be some fun too. It will really help to encourage her to come, to make the effort to come. Well, that reminds me one year, we live in snow country, so one year we took a camera out and we um, stopped at some friend's house that had a snowmobile and we had one of our 70-year-old ladies with us dressed up in her winter garb and we sat on their snowmobiles. <laughs> it was so cute. Come and join us for the women's retreat. And we oh, got that's awesome comments about that video you know it's just it all goes towards letting people know that hey it's fun to be together <laughs> yeah right and and a lot of a lot of gals if they have never been to a women's retreat they're scared they don't know they don't know what you're going to do to them <laughs> so i mean it really does help to let them know it's okay we're going to have fun it's not all just you know Absolutely. read your bible from morning till night yeah <laughs> okay yeah, all right well this is it's a huge commitment to say I'm going to go somewhere away from my family, away from my job, away from my money that I'm putting down on the dotted line. And so if you're going to make it um, appealing to them, you've got to find a way to help them to know it's going to be worth their time. Absolutely. Well, this is Marty Swedberg visiting with Sally Ferguson. Today we'll be right back. Do you carry a few extra pounds around than you'd like? Are you sick to death of dieting or maybe sick of resisting the urge to diet because every time you try, you gain back more than you lost? Check out eatingwithgod.com. That's eatingwithgod.com. It's the easiest, most obvious, and most powerful non-dieting approach to weight management that you'll ever find. Starting today, you can enjoy every bite eating with God. Learn more at eatingwithgod.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie Swedberg, and we are on the last leg of our journey through How to Plan a Women's Retreat. Of course, there's so much more for you guys to learn. Sally's got a book called How to Plan a Women's Retreat. You can get that over at sallyferguson.net. And I, of course, got my book, Retreats Made Easy, and a bunch of retreat planning stuff here at uh, marnie.com. You can always check that out under the Women's Ministry or Event tabs there. We're going to talk in this last section about delegating fundraising and also some personal words of wisdom from Sally to you as an event planner and a retreat planner. First, let's talk about delegating. Sally, I'm I'm curious what you have to say about this because you really have a heart. You really have a heart to encourage women's ministry leaders to delegate, don't you? Well, sometimes we find out things the hard way, <laughs> and I have been that lone ranger in the past where I've wanted to do everything my way and I've wanted to do it. Um, in my time and my schedule, and and it doesn't work that way. <laughs> People need to know that their opinion is valued and that they have some opportunity for input. And when we give them that opportunity, they take ownership in it, and they become so fired up about the whole event that they just take off and do their own advertising. You know, it's it's best to see them get that excited about it. 
And we also find out that each leader has a different skill set. When you allow someone to develop their own skills, it becomes such a harmonious thing because everybody has had opportunity to give their best to it. Yeah, I love that. It's uh, it's really actually uh, leadership training in action as well. Mm-hmm. When you allow others to come beside you, especially if you've already um, been doing this for a while, um, and then you, you have pulled together this team and maybe you've got some gals who've never even worked on a retreat team or an event planning team before, they learn so much from mm-hmm. you. And then you know what they do? They move away. <laughs> <laughs> they learn from you somewhere else, and that's how God kind of does it, does it, isn't it? And you know, I think of a lot, a lot like a mother with a small child. You know, when when my little ones were four years old and they were sweeping, you know, I mean, the broom was twice as tall as they were, but they grew up and they became really a lot of help to me. Now, were they a really good sweeper at four? No, not so much. But they grew up and they they're really hard workers and they're really, you know, they're really clean and. It was so worth the effort when they were tiny to develop those skills and those habits. And as a retreat planner, it's the same way. It might be easier for you to do it yourself, mm-hmm. but it's really not healthier for you to do it yourself, is it? No, it's not healthy because you get burnout, and then you are grouchy at the retreat, and then nobody has fun. <laughs> and if you are able to delegate so that everybody can come into the mix with the healthy set of expectations then everybody's going to have fun and I can't tell you how many comments I get at the end of the retreat that um, the giggling brought out their laughter too you know I've told some of the dumbest jokes at retreats but it's all in the spirit of fun and it's just the way that um, they realize okay we don't have to be so serious about everything because God loves laughter too Right. Oh, absolutely. And I love what you said about buy-in, about um, when a gal is part of something. And actually, this is one of my big themes with planning any event, whether it's a retreat or whatever. The more women you pull in to the organization of it, the Mm -hmm. more excitement there will be for it, just period. Because first of all, she'll be excited because she's participating in it, but also the people who love her, who are her friends, they want to come and support her. So it gives her an opportunity to say to her neighbor lady, I'm in this skip this weekend at this women's retreat or coming up, you know, in five weeks or whatever. You got to come and see it because it's just, it's so intimidating to me. I've never been in a skit before, but I'm in the skit and it's really funny and it's really good. We're going to have a great time. You want to come with me? You know, it really does give her mm-hmm. um, kind of a bone to put out there and to say, do you want to do you want to come with to her family members, her friends, her neighbors, and if she's not on the planning committee, then she just has to be brave and say, I'm going to this. Do you want to come? What's going on? I don't really know, but you know. So everybody who can be involved, it just increases the buy-in for the event altogether. And you know that word of mouth is the best sales tool of anything because when Always. people are excited about it, that's going to be the advertising you need in the first place. Absolutely, absolutely. So delegate away. <laughs> and then the one thing is you just want to have a way to check in on people. Don't just like give someone the responsibility of all the advertising and never check back with them. Oh, my goodness. You have to you know, give them a list of things that that means so they know clearly what that is, and then you have to have deadlines on there. And the deadlines aren't to make them feel guilty or anything. The deadlines are to give you the opportunity to, to check back with them and say, okay, now this Sunday is when it has to be in the bulletin by it. Do you need any help with that? And if they haven't even thought about it, you know, here you have the heads up. Oh, good, I need to, you know, mm-hmm. give them a little more help. Or um, Deadlines are – and, and that is going to be your tool as an event coordinator, as a retreat planner, to stay on top of things is the deadlines that you give people. So don't just say sometime when you get to it, you might want to do these things. You have to give them a deadline that gives you the power, actually the opportunity to go back and to say, how's that coming along? Oh, I know for me, a deadline makes a world of difference because I know I have to accomplish A, B, C, and D by that deadline. And if if I can't do that by then, then I know it's time to ask for help. So for me, it's a exactly. great to get it done. Right, right. So you're you're totally 
You totally should do that as a leader. Okay, let's talk for a minute about fundraising because I want to give you a minute or two at the end here for your words of wisdom. Fundraising, this is where um, the event ticket would cost more than you believe that most of your gals could pay. Or possibly you want to be able to give some scholarships and give some full rides. Or maybe you want to bring in a speaker this year and you know that that's not going to fly with the budget that you have. So what are some of the ideas that you guys have done for fundraising for your retreats? Mm. Fundraising is one of the best parts of retreat advertising because as you're working all year long with your fundraisers, you're also saying, we're looking forward to our retreat in May Uh or whatever date you choose. And this retreat is such a wonderful women's opportunity to be together. So as we are in the process of planning the retreat, we're also having these fundraisers right along with it, and it gives us the opportunity to work together, like when we do a a spaghetti dinner or when we make crafts that we'll sell at a craft show. You know, all of these different opportunities are also ways for us to rub shoulders with each other in the process. But it also is an opportunity to provide um, scholarships to help keep costs down because you definitely want to make it affordable for everybody. And um, the last few years, we've um, provided a discount for everybody based on our fundraisers and um, keep reminding them that, you know, the full cost would be X amount of dollars, but because we've been doing 